Hey guys, this is Dondre. This is Elizabeth. Welcome, Welcome to, to Broad Roots. Roots, a podcast for and about women of color. Yeah, that's our new tag, guys. Let us know what you think. <laughs> of restructuring of the podcast we're trying to keep things fresh and new for you and um so we're just gonna switch things around um to keep things exciting so this week we're gonna start with our what the fuck is happening segment elizabeth what the fuck is happening uh, what the fuck is happening to Andre? that's the question so funny enough we were gonna do our own separate what the fuck um choice and highlight but turns out because the world is crazy we want to talk about the same thing which is Donald Trump and his son, Eric Trump, and sexual harassment, and Fox, and Ivanka Trump, and all the craziness surrounding that. So much craziness. So much craziness. So this guy, Roger Ailes, you know, who was like the chairman and like executive at Fox, he has been um, accused of like a bunch of sexual harassment from women at the network. And as a result, Donald Trump has been asked a lot about sexual harassment, and a reporter um, for an article in USA Today asked him, oh, well, you know, what What if this were to happen to Ivanka, who's his daughter? Like, what do you think? And his answer was, I would like to think that she would find another career or find another company if that was the case. Okay. All right. Then his son defending him was like, um, I think what he's saying is Ivanka is a strong and powerful woman who wouldn't allow herself to be subjected to that. What the fuck? What the fuck? Has anybody who's ever been sexually harassed been like, you know what? I think today when I leave the house, I am going to present myself as weak and uh, totally perceptive to being sexually harassed. Like, what the fuck? First and fucking foremost, she needs to be worried about your ass. Because if you dig through those photos of her yeah. when she's 15 sitting on your lap, cupping your face, like y'all are uh, post-coitus, that shit was fucking weird. And also, like, you have made many a comment about her body being so beautiful. How you would date her. How you would date her and all this shit. Like, she needs to be worried about you. And then why the flying fuck would somebody need to get a whole new career for being sexually harassed how about dealing with the harassment yeah reporting to hr all the things that you can do why is, why should you have to change careers this just goes to show more of his fucking sexist attitude even when it comes to his own damn daughter it's absolutely crazy because the perception and the idea that being strong and powerful is going to, you know, just like defy and be like the the protector of sexual harassers and people who want to like say shit to you on the street or at your job. That's crazy. It's like women, all kinds of women get harassed, all kinds of harassment. It's like you can be walking down Fifth Avenue in like a power suit or you can be like a young girl coming back from the pool from or, you know, going to school. It, it doesn't matter. And so that perception that it's like, oh, well, first of all, if you're strong and powerful, you know, you, you, you really won't get that. Like you won't subject yourself to that. And secondly, the fact that you could just like get up and move and change because like, 
you that's such a privilege, right? It's like, oh, well, anybody can just get up and change and, you know, get a whole new different career, a whole new job at a different company. It's crazy. And it just, once again, goes to show how women are always the ones who have to adjust. Yeah, let me cater to you. Exactly. Let and men are never held better. accountable. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you even talking about? When in the world... Has things worked that way? Obviously, things have worked that way for you, which I don't know why the working class is putting their faith in this motherfucker who clearly has no idea how the damn world works. I can't. I can't. It's really disturbing, especially because, like you said, you know, all these comments and touching, you know, towards his daughter, like at the RNC, you know, his hand was like really I awkwardly can't. I can't low. With his weird hands and his weird. I can't. It just does not feel right. It does not. It does not feel right. And as someone who has been in moments, awkward moments, where you're like, okay, this person mm-hmm. is a family friend, this person is a family member, and this hand does not feel right, and things seem to be awry. That has nothing to do with that girl. And how dare you like be like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, Donald Trump, you can sit on a top and spin. <laughs> and that is our what the fuck is happening segment let us know what you guys think about our what the fuck topics and let us know what you think that we should be talking about so today we have a very special guest destiny lily um, who is joining us to talk about media representation and diversity she is the casting director and founder of destiny casting she is the casting director at the school of visual arts she is the vp of membership at new york women in film and television she is on their board she is funny amazing, super talented, and you can read some of her work on her blog where she writes about entertainment, diversity, and feminism. Our blog is called Manifest Destiny, and she is here to talk to us. So welcome, Destiny. Great. Thank you. What a fantastic introduction. <laughs> For a fantastic lady. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so what's up, Destiny? How's it going? I'm doing really well. I'm really enjoying the summer, trying to take it easy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So on the show, we talk a lot about representation and diversity and how it's so important to have your voice and to have somebody who looks like you out there in the media. And that's why Dondre and I started the podcast, to have our voice out there and part of the conversation. And so it's so great that you work in casting. And we just wanted to kick it off by asking you how you got into that. Tell us your story. Sure. Yeah. So I started, my background is in theater. So I studied theater in college. I went to grad school for theater and I started out my career hoping to be a theater director. And I directed plays and I really enjoyed it, but it was something where um, I realized like, oh, this is kind of hard to actually make money doing. And as someone who needed to make some money in order to live in New York, um, I was at a bit of a crossroads. And one of the theaters that I was working at Um, They gave me the opportunity to help their casting director, and then that casting director recommended me for a job, and then I started working in casting, and I realized I could use a lot of my skills as a director in casting because, you know, working with actors in the audition room, helping them shape a performance, all those are skills that you learn as a director that you can use as a casting director that I still use today. So that was really how I got my start in casting about eight years ago. 
That's so cool. Um, So as a casting director, what do you think is your biggest challenge, like dealing with directors, dealing with actors? What is it that really is that old bugaboo? I think that the biggest challenge in casting is getting the best actors you can with whatever budget you're faced with. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time you have constraints. You have budget constraints. You have time constraints. There are all these things that are kind of shaping where you need to go. So I'm always trying to be like, okay, how can I get the best actors we can get for the money that we have, for the time that we have, for this particular script? Because I always want to do the best I can to really serve the script and work with the writers and the directors and the producers and all of those people to really help them. Because that they have to worry about so many other things you know they have Mm -hmm. to worry about the budget and the locations and they have to worry about all these other things I just need to worry about the actors so I tried to to degree take like the work of that off their plate so they can just see the actors get to know them and choose the ones that they're most interested in working with awesome and what is that process like I know Dondre you are an actor and Dustin, you're obviously a casting director, and I have not been in any of those rooms. Mm-hmm. I did casting a little bit for reality TV, which is like a whole oh, yeah. different thing. It's like thing. the exact opposite. It's funny because reality casting is like the exact opposite of casting for like narrative because mm. in reality casting, you're looking for the actual person to fit into whatever it is you're creating. Mm-hmm. Whereas in narrative, you're looking for the person who can be the character so you're not looking for like the you're not really looking for a person who is a character because that's what you need in reality you need like <laughs> people who like in life are big characters mm-hmm. and an actor in life might be shy might be quiet might be relatively reserved but when they're auditioning when they're working they can play a character that is completely different from themselves so That's really what you're looking for. You're looking for the person who can do that. And the process is like, it really varies based on the project. But ultimately what you're doing is I will go through all of the people that I know of who might be great for this. So I have files. I have a database. Like, it's electronic. I have, like, I'm like, no more paper. (laughs) It's 2016. Um, It's 2016. No more paper. But I have a database of actors and I have access to, you know, all of the same like, you know, websites that all the casting directors use. So things like Breakdown Express or Casting Networks or Backstage, like all those things that people use. So each each project is different. So sometimes we're going to see like five people. Other times we're going to see like hundreds of people. I mean, that's relatively rare unless you're looking for something really specific and you have a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But... You know, you're going to see like varying numbers of people and it's based on the role and the time and how much the director or the producer, you know, wants to spend uh, the amount of time they want to spend meeting people. Because some directors are like, you know, you just you just choose like five people and I'll see those five people. And some are like, oh, I want to see lots and lots of people because maybe they just don't know what they're looking for yet. So they want to see more different types of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, some are like, oh, you know, just like a few and we'll just like, you know, like three to five people per role. I don't want to see that many actors. So then as a casting director, it's really my job to narrow it down so that those three to five people they see Mm -hmm. are the three to five best possible people that we can bring in. Whereas if we're seeing a lot of people, I might take a chance on someone who's like, well, I'm not sure if they're like totally right for it, but like they've got something. 
so we can bring this person in Mm -hmm. or we can like try different things you know we're gonna see like 30 or 40 people it's like yeah let's see like some people a little bit older a little bit younger Mm -hmm. see all ethnicities like all of those things whereas if it's just like a few people you have to be a lot more um, precise Mm -hmm. and it's more about like okay this is what I think the director is looking for based on the conversations that we've had and the script and all of those things. So you mentioned ethnicity and precision, and I'm wondering, have you ever been in a situation where the director or the writer has just kind of defaulted to having perhaps like a white character, but you have somebody who is of color or maybe somebody who they weren't necessarily envisioning, but somebody who would be great and super, you know, perfect for the role? How do you deal with um, kind of reconciling those two things and kind of bringing in somebody who the director may not necessarily, you know, be thinking of, but somebody who may be perfect for the role? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I always have that conversation first. So, um, you know, in casting, we have what's called a breakdown, and that's like the description of each character. So we'll have that person's name their gender, their ethnicity, their age, and some facts about them, things about their personality. Um, So in the process of creating the breakdowns and talking to the director, we start to really define what it is that the character is. So yeah, sometimes I'll work on something and there's kind of, you know, like a default whiteness. Like, And a lot of the time it's not purposeful. It's Mm -hmm. just that no one's really thought about it before. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well do all the characters have to be white? Like, are there characters that could be open to different ethnicities? I was like, this is set in New York in 2016 or 2014 or whatever it was. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, you know, it's like it seems more realistic to me that, you know, we could look at people of different ethnicities. And a lot of the time directors like, oh, I hadn't, like, they just hadn't thought of it. It hadn't occurred to them. And so that's usually something I bring up beforehand so that you know when we're calling people in I can be specific because one thing I don't want to do is waste anyone's time Mm -hmm. so you know it's not helpful for the director or for the actor if they want someone of one ethnicity and I bring in people who are different like it's just it's just not helpful uh but if we have that conversation beforehand it's like oh can we be open on these roles and maybe this role is this ethnicity and this one is this one but we're open on different roles, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's something that we figure out ahead of time so that I can then bring in people that fit what we're looking for. Awesome. Um, I'm going to ask something else before I give it over to you, Dondre, because I want to hear also your perspective, like having been somebody who acts and acted. um, But what about, you know, when you have maybe an actor who's like a little more hesitant to take on a certain role to go and audition? Like how do you deal with those conversations and kind of, you know, persuading somebody that this is a good role or, you know, a good opportunity. Um, How does that conversation differ from the conversation you have with the director? And what is that like? Um, I rarely try to talk actors into doing things they don't want to do. (laughs) Just because ultimately it's probably not going to work out. Mm. Because if they're resistant to taking the role from the beginning, then if I try to talk them into it, they might say, okay, I'm going to do it. And then they end up bailing later or there's a problem later. So I don't really try to convince an actor to take a role that they don't want to do. I will if it's something where they just don't know about the role. I'll say like, oh, well, this is, you know, it might be a small role, but it's really pivotal to the story because a lot of the time an actor 
in the initial audition only gets the sides for their particular character. So they don't see the full script. So they don't understand necessarily where that role fits into the whole story. So sometimes it's my job to make sure that an actor understands, like, this might be a relatively small role, but it's pivotal. These are some good scenes for you. Or there's another scene that you haven't gotten yet that's really like a meteor scene. So, like, I know you haven't seen that yet, but just trust me, I've read the whole script. There's another meteor scene for this role. Because sometimes if people are hesitant just about, like, the size of the role, um, then that's something that I can say, like, I can give them more clarity because I've read the full script. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, just, like, the director and the writer don't want to release the full script until they get closer Mm -hmm. to the point of casting. But if they just aren't responding to the role, then they're probably not right for it because we want to work with someone who wants to do that role. And the director and the writer don't want to work with someone who doesn't respond to their work and who's like, "Eh, I don't really like the writing or I don't, like that's not helpful. So sometimes it's really about finding someone else in that case. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Also, Dondre has been nodding her head the entire time, (laughs) as have I. (laughs) No, it's so true. I've been on auditions where, you know, you get the sides. And for me, I've been on a couple of different types of auditions where I'm like, why am I here? You know, for instance, I will show up for an audition and I'm not only the only person of color, but I'm also the only non-blonde there. And I'm like, what is this? Are we, like, why am I here? Like, Mm -hmm. clearly... I see this type, I see this archetype all around me, and what am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. is is this just a waste of my time? And it's like I've also been in those moments where you get the sides and you're like, oh, this is like another sister girl character where it's like I'm just neck popping and I, you know, like neck rolling and snapping. And then, but then... I very rarely had the um, privilege of having a casting director who would be like, yeah, I know this. these sides are sister girl sides, but really this is pivotal and really there is more depth to this character. Because, you know, as an actor, when you get a breakdown, there's not that much information, you know what I mean? Like you get that breakdown and you either feel like, okay, this is something that I would be suited for, or this is something that I wouldn't be suited for. And there's so many actors in this city that it's kind of like you're going to throw everything at the wall. You're going to submit to everything that you think you could possibly do in hopes of landing that that one thing that's going to be it. So I think it's super great that you would take the time to be like, okay, well, you might not be feeling good about this now but there's more to it and I think you're also totally correct in if you're not um feeling the role immediately then it probably won't work out because I know Zoe Saldana said that originally when she read that (laughs) Nina script she was like nah and she should have stayed with nah because everybody's like nah (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um that's all I'm gonna say about that um one thing I'll say Dondre is that trust that the casting director brought you in for a reason because I've heard actors say that to me too. Like, Oh, everybody else waiting was nothing like me. So sometimes they'll already think, Oh, I'm not going to get this because I'm not like the other people waiting. You've already psyched yourself out Mm. when maybe they're here for a different role or maybe, you know, I had to bring in some of these people because of previous relationships and the director 
but we're really excited to see you. And you never really know why a casting director called you in, but just trust that there was a reason. Like, I don't have time to call in people for no reason. Right. You know, and I'm not calling you in just to mess with you. I'm not going to be like, ha, 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 let me call in <laughs> for an audition. And then like, ha, 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 the role is totally not for her. I will waste her time. Evil you know? casting director. Ha, 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 ha. No, like every time we call someone in, it's for a reason. It's because we want to see you for some reason. And it doesn't matter who else is waiting or who else is auditioning because there's so many other factors at play that you can't possibly really know what else it is that could be going on. Um, Yeah, but I will also say that I think that the more an actor can audition and then, like, leave it behind, the better. Yeah. Because it's important to be able to, like, come in the room and give what you have. But then sometimes I see actors who just torture themselves over, oh, I didn't get that role like this one role that it didn't get and they're still like worrying about it like a year later and I'm like you need to move on from that that is such a, a great quality and it can be hard for actors because as an actor it's your job to be sensitive it's your job to be open to emotion and to be open to understanding people's feelings and your own feelings so the way that the business works is we're constantly asking you to turn that off business-wise, but as an actor, you have to constantly have that on. So it can be difficult Mm -hmm. to navigate because you have to be a sensitive person to be an actor, but being a sensitive person isn't necessarily conducive to doing well in the industry because if you take it hard every time you don't get a role, it's going to, like, bring you down eventually and make it harder for you to, like, keep going. So I know it's a catch-22, but the more that you can be that person in the room... And then, you know, leave and go get ice cream with your friend or go, you know, pick up your kid from soccer practice or whatever, the better. Because that allows you the freedom to not let rejection weigh you down. Because most of an actor's life is rejection. As any actor will tell you, even the most famous actors, rejected all the time. So it's important not to just get beaten down by rejection. Quite true. Such good advice. Oh, great my God. I'm really not even an actor, and I'm like, oh, my it's, God. It's difficult, and it, it is great advice. It's always so good to hear because it's like it's like being an actor is like being an empath in a glass box. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, I sense this. I sense this. Here this is. I'm going to give you everything. Now I'm going to pretend like I'm not completely devastated that <laughs> I have not heard from you, mm-hmm. and I have to then go do this again tomorrow, and then the next day, and hopefully the next day, and maybe not till another two months or three months down the road. So it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Is there anything, um, and I guess this question is for you as well, Dondry, is there anything that an actor should or shouldn't do in the audition room? Like, what are kind of just, like, right off the bat, just things that, like, you need to do and things that you really just should stray away from? Don't shake hands. Don't come up and shake my hand. Why? Uh, germs. <laughs> oh. I personally don't really mind it, but there are tons of casting directors. If someone, like, you're seeing, like, what, 40 people that yeah. day? You have to shake hands with 40 people. Maybe, like, you're about to eat lunch in five minutes, and you're like, or you just ate lunch or whatever. Mm. Like, don't shake hands. 
like ever now oh except if like the director reaches their hand out to you yes shake their hand like don't be like ew don't be a dick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but don't come in the room and be like hi with my hand outstretched to everybody don't do that um it it puts everyone in a difficult position like usually like it doesn't really bother me so i'll usually shake hands with people but other people it bothers them so it puts you in this difficult position where you've now kind of put them on the spot and they're kind of like, I don't really want to shake this person's hand, but I guess I'm going to. And you've already created an uncomfortable environment mm. as soon as you walk in the door. So that's like number one that I always think all actors know. And then I realize they don't all know it. So I'll say, wow. yeah, number one, like Dondry knows this. Like Dondry's like, this. yeah, she's like, this I know. This I know. Don't walk in and shake people's hands. It's like number one. My mind is um, blown right now because I'm yeah. like, what? It's like, yeah, you're you're not an actor. But yeah, yeah it's just like, oh, so many people, germs. No, I get it. Hands. I get um, it. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's number one. Don't shake, don't shake hands. Um, <laughs> other things to avoid in an audition. Um, avoid being late or early. Like, you don't want to be too early either. <laughs> well, because sometimes we're not ready for you and we're just getting yeah. set up and you're mm-hmm. there and it's kind of like, oh, this person's here. Yeah, and now you have to babysit. I've also been, like, ready yet. showing up too early. Yeah. Yeah, so come, like, on time, five, ten minutes early is fine. But, like, yeah, and obviously being late is bad in pretty much any mm-hmm. industry. Um, I understand things come up, but do your best to really stick to your appointment time. Um, it's really important for actors to be prepared you know, um, especially like with a film audition, you should really know the sides in advance. If you, if you need to look down every once in a while, that's fine. But to not know the sides at all and to really just be in the, you know, looking down at the paper the entire time, incredibly unhelpful. You know, it's just like, we can't see you. You're not doing the scene. Mm -hmm. You're not engaged. But also it's important to go with the flow because this happens a lot where you'll come in like, for example, Dondre will come in and read for a role, and I'll be like, I like Dondre, but not for this role. Here's this completely different role. Can you read this role? Um, I usually try to give people, like, you know, oh, go in the hallway for 10 minutes, look it over. But sometimes you don't have time for that. I'm like, here, here's a completely different role that you didn't prepare for. You don't know anything about it. Go. And obviously I don't expect you to be as good at that as if you prepared, but you kind of have to go with the flow and be like, okay, great. Sure, yeah, different role. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know, and the actors who show resistance to that, it usually is like a red flag to us. You know, if you're like, oh, well, I didn't get a chance. It's like, oh, I know, I know. Just like, just do your best. Because we understand if we just handed it to you, you're not going to know it as well as something you've had for a few days. But some actors get a little too caught up in, in what... In what <laughs> Can I curse on this podcast? Absolutely. Fantastic. And what I call actor bullshit, um, <laughs> where it's like, oh, I have to be like wearing like the sweater that I rehearsed in, or I have to be, you know, I practiced it sitting, so I have to sit. <laughs> Even though the director's like, oh, no, we want you to stand. They're like, oh, but I practiced it sitting. I hate and that shit. It's so important for me to sit. 
And it becomes something where I'm just like, oh, just get over yourself. Yeah, I hate that. I was just going to say that. You also know that that person's going to be like sort of a nightmare to work with, too. I think my thing as far as auditions, like, you know, I've never been a casting director, but I've been on like an auditor side where you're like just sitting Mm -hmm. there like I've read back with actors. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the number one things, too, that throw off an audition is when the actor immediately comes in with excuses, like oh, immediately yes. comes in apologizing for just got the sick, sides. just got the sides. Oh, just got this. the sides is the worst because that makes me look bad because it makes it look like I just, like, like I didn't do fault. my job and I didn't send you the sides in advance or didn't send your agent the sides or didn't tell your agent where to download them or whatever. Like, that makes it look like I didn't do my job. So, oh, I just got the sides when I know that the sides have been available for like three days. Oh, that you're like, crazy. nah. I'm like, no, you're that, it's like, don't lie. Like, I think, I think that one. I think that's a really big one because I think that you already have sort of set yourself at a disadvantage because I'm already kind of looking at you like on the lean. I also think that sometimes with actors. Um, you can smell their desperation. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's a very difficult job. And sometimes, like, landing this role is the difference between I'm going to be able to pay for this thing or, oh, my God, like, I need to go live at home for a little bit. You know what I mean? And occasionally, I feel like sometimes actors come in with that. Like, you can smell it almost. And then it's kind of like a thing where you're like, okay, like, this feels weird. Or also... You know, just as another actor playing opposite an actor, it's it's the worst when, like, pre- like preparation, like she was saying, like, when you know that you've had the size for three days, sides for three days, so you know this person's had the size for three days, and you're, you're, you're looking for something, you're looking for someone that you can sink into and you can, like, really play off of, and because really, auditions while being totally nerve-wracking and and kind of crazy it's like about playing right because you have to do it all the time and if you can't play while you're doing it then it's not you shouldn't be doing it because it's it's going to kill you in the long run so it's like I want to be able to play with you like we're together now and if you're just looking down or if you're not connecting to me at all then it 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 doesn't bode well for either one of us you know what I mean yeah, it should be fun. I always tell actors, this audition is a chance for you to do what you love. Hopefully, if you're an actor, you love acting. Because I don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> um, so hopefully, if you're an actor, you love acting. And whether you get the part or not is really not important when you're in the audition. It's a chance for you to do the thing you love, which is acting. So you should enjoy that in the moment and just do it the best you can. But I always tell actors that acting and particularly auditioning is like dating. Mm. You go on a first date and you're like desperate. You're like, I really, really, really want a girlfriend. Like, um, <laughs> that person's like, whoa, come on. Like, Slow down. <laughs> like, whoa. It's like, you're so beautiful. You're so perfect. You're like, oh, like I can see our kids. Like, yeah. You're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> you have to be like. Hi, it's great to meet you, you know, but it's like you're not planning the future, right? You don't want to come off desperate in dating. You don't want to come off desperate in an audition. And you want to kind of leave people wanting more in both ways. Like you want it to be like, okay. So that's another thing, another tip I'll give to people auditioning. Come in, do the sides, walk out the door. 
a lot of wise words for actors. If you guys are listening, take note. Um, but on that note, let's switch gears to talk about a topic that you write a lot about, that I always see you posting about on Facebook, which is representation and diversity in media and television and film. And I, for one, feel like we are in an amazing place right now because I get to turn on the television or go to my Netflix app or whatever it is and watch TV where there are people who look like me and who look like my friends and who speak different languages and who aren't all just white. And I think it is amazing. Um, And also on the back end, we have a lot of women and a lot of people of color directing. So we just have all these stories that are... um, finally being told and finally being shared with the rest of the world. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. We wanted to get your thoughts about what your, you know, thinking is about the current state of television and film, um, because there's so much to say and there's just so many amazing people out there, so much amazing content. And what are your thoughts from like a casting director's perspective about the people that we see on screen and, you know, the people that are making and telling these stories? Yeah, I mean, I think that there have been major advancements, particularly in television, in the last maybe even five years, but definitely last 10. But uh, in terms of seeing a more diverse representation of people of color on screen, so Mm -hmm. not just stereotypical roles, because there was a point, especially like through like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, that you would see like, you know, a black actor or a Latino actor, but it would almost exclusively be in a stereotypical yeah. role. And there were a handful of actors that were able to break out of that. Um, but that was like the exception and not the rule. Mm-hmm. And slowly over recent years, I've seen a lot more opportunities for, you know, like black actors, Latino actors, and even Asian actors who always kind of get the short end of the stick mm-hmm. in Hollywood for like slowly to see more and more roles for them that go beyond stereotype. Because it's not just about numbers. It's about the quality of the roles. Mm-hmm. It's about whether there is diversity within those roles. You know, if all the roles are the same, if all the Latino actors are being called in to play the same role, even if it's not a stereotypical role, it's not really giving, like, a depth and breadth of the experience of, of people. And there's so many people in this country and so many different experiences. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just specific to this country. We could have a whole other conversation about the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But there's so many experiences. And I, I personally felt like it was a really long time before I saw anyone on TV that I thought reflected my own personal experience, you know, which is something that I think sometimes because of just how many different television shows and movies there are that feature like white men and boys in the lead that, you know, white men take for granted, you know, because they've always had representations of themselves that have been very different from like the strongest guy, the jock to the nerdiest guy. There's always been something that reflects back to them. Whereas as a black woman, I found it like really hard to find any, Um, images that reflected like who I thought I was Mm -hmm. and it's something where any group of people you know you get hungry for those images you're hungry to see yourself to see that you matter because in some ways you know seeing yourself reflected back through entertainment and pop culture is proof that you exist 
And for a long time, I think a lot of us felt like to everyone else, we didn't exist because we weren't being reflected. And I think that's still true. I think we have a long way to go. Absolutely. We have a very long way to go, especially behind the scenes, because I think we've had a lot of advancements for actors and I'm excited to see more advancements for actors, but you don't see that reflected in the writers and the directors and the crew. I think that we still have a really long way to go to include more people of color, more LGBT people, more people with disabilities, which is the largest minority group in Mm -hmm. the country is people with disabilities. You don't see people with disabilities really represented a lot on film and on Mm -hmm. television. So we have a long way to go. But I think that there's a bit of a roadmap now that didn't exist before. And the language that speaks loudest in Hollywood is money. So as projects fronted by people of color, you know, like Empire, for example, Mm -hmm. as they're successful, as they bring in more money, then that starts to get the attention of executives who are more willing to see, you know, projects from other people of color because that one was successful. I mean, it often works the opposite way, too. If, like, one project with people of color isn't successful, it's like, oh, we won't see any more of those for, like, 10 years. But I'm really excited by it. I think that there is a shift happening that I hope isn't just a trend. Like, it's not, you know, like a trend, like a fashion trend that goes out of style eventually. Um, And I think that, that the way that you see the issues of people of color, not just on television, but also reflected in the media, reflected in social media, I think it'll be hard to go really far backward just because... It's something that even, you know, even white people are conscious of these issues Mm -hmm. now in a way that they never had to be before. So I do think that we've broken through and seen people of all races who are more conscious of issues of representation and um, and the idea of who's telling a story Mm -hmm. and whose perspective is this story from. But we still have a long way to go, especially in film, because I think film is still, especially mainstream film, even when you have a story that's about people of color, often it's told by the one white person who is in, who comes into that group of people. And it's from that person's perspective. Um, And so there's always that distance there or that sense that you have to have this entry character to explain this world to you. Whereas the richness of the world is what the story's really about, you know, and that there are so many great stories by and about people who we often don't hear from that still need to be told and are really interesting and funny and smart. And my goal, my like dream, not like I'm Martin Luther King, but like I have a dream, <laughs> I have a dream that, um, no, my dream is that, We'll see more and more projects by and about people of color that have nothing to do with race specifically. Mm -hmm. They're not about the fact that this is the black family or this is the Asian family or this is the Latino family. That this is a family that happens to be Latino and this is them living their lives. And yes, this is -hmm. is a big part of who they are because our culture Mm -hmm. has a big impact on who we are. But it's not like about like racism or it's not about like the struggle and it's just about these people living their lives and their culture is just one of the many things that makes their lives richer. 
So that's like my goal. I'll be like really, really pleased when we're able to see more and more projects that are just about people of color, but not about like the struggle and the yeah. difficult, you know. Yeah, about our journey. humanity. Yeah. Like just we have experiences. Human. It's so, it's so I used to joke that like black people weren't invented until the sixties as far as television <laughs> was concerned. Because growing up, period pieces were my favorite things and mm-hmm. there were no people of color whatsoever in mm-hmm. any of them. And I remember being like I know we existed. I know we were somewhere in the world. Like, can I not hold the water pitcher in the corner at least? Like, I want to wear these gorgeous gowns. And, you know, like, as soon as I started studying theater, it was like Shakespeare all around because of the richness of the language Mm -hmm. and everything. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, you know, you never see those reflections. And I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and she was saying, you know, I was talking about people of color and beauty standards and whatnot. And she was like, when were you ever taught that black wasn't beautiful? And I was like, it's not something you're taught. I was like, think of, I was like, I want you to name your favorite movies from the 80s. And I was like, who in that had any Mm -hmm. color? I want you to think of all the magazines you saw as a kid. I want Mm -hmm. you to think of all the cartoons you watched. I want you to think of all these things. You're 10 years younger than me, and I want you to name how many brown people you saw. And she was like, oh, my God, I've never even thought of it that way. I was like, when you there's no reflections of yourself, yeah. then, of course, you're, like, you're not, you're not it. Um, so that's, it's really, it's a very exciting time when, you know, you can look at all of these television shows and be like, yay. I mean, granted, there are still all of these movies about, like, Egyptian gods in which they're all white. And, uh, like, all, of, all of these. It's the, the white savior. wonderful White men sitting oh, in yeah, the new, the new like Matt the Great Damon. Wall. I can't with that. I can't. Like I can't. I like the white savior thing. Is I'm gonna save it because that's okay. my. <laughs> that is gun for later. I do have a quick comment about this though. Just you know, I'm I'm actually gonna talk about this a little bit later. You know, my bride of the week section. Spoiler alert. But just in in the ter- in, you know in the world of this movie, right? It's like. Where the fuck did Matt Damon come from? Like, (laughs) this movie is in China, like, uh, centuries, millennia ago. Like, what? Well, it's just like the forest. It's like, where you come from? (laughs) Oh, you just, you just landed the plane and now it's your, now you're off to save this whole fucking continent because, like, obviously they needed to get your ass from California over here to, like, save them. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) I can't. It's just really important to see yourself reflected as yeah. like the hero or the lover mm-hmm. or the person who's beautiful or the or the villain like to see like that all Range. the different ways that you can be portrayed um is really important and it's not just about like entertainment it's something that you know feeds into the way that we think and we don't even realize it until you know as a kid i remember seeing all these commercials for like hair products and it was always like you know this like beautiful white woman with this like mm. perfect like long mm-hmm. hair flipping Flowing it into like slow Silky. motion and it's something where without thinking about it I started to be like oh yeah that's what that's what I want that's what beautiful that's hair what beautiful is. is that's how it I'm supposed to look like but then you know being a black woman it's like that's not how my that's hair not grows happening how do here. I achieve this and so then you're trying to achieve the standard of beauty that's pretty much impossible. And that is something that starts to develop into 
really people can start to develop a sense of of like negative feelings about themselves mm-hmm. because they don't fit they don't fit into this beauty standard because they don't see themselves reflected. And you know, and if they're in the same commercial commercial had been, you know, a black woman with like beautiful like with a beautiful afro, I would have been like, "Oh, fantastic." I, like it's not about one thing being right or wrong. It's about including all types and mm-hmm. saying like all backgrounds are beautiful, all skin colors are beautiful, all hair types are beautiful. It's not necessarily about exclusion, it's about inclusion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Because, like, that's the truth, right? That's the world. Like, that's what you see when you look around. And I feel like, you know, everyone, right now we're at this very crucial time with race relations because things are being filmed and things are being broadcast. And I think, you know, it's not about, like, this or that. It's like everybody just wants to be included. Everybody just wants to be a part of this world because we actually Mm -hmm. are. It's not, oh, it's as like Shonda Rhimes says. It's like, you know, this is not some diversity initiative. This is literally like a reflection of reality. Mm -hmm. This is like truth. It's not like some trend, hopefully. Yeah, and it's... It's not hard to do. It's you also know? not hard to do. It's I know like, so many talented actors of all races. Exactly. Including it, disabled do it. people. You know, like it's people like, of all shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds. Like I feel that it's such a lazy excuse to just be like, oh well, you know, there just like aren't enough black actors or, or you know, Asian whatever. actors. It's like or that's South complete Asian actors. Like, what bullshit. Are you talking about? Like just be open and be willing, you know, like have that breakdown. She, you know, say like, you know, inclusive of all ethnicities. Like that's why Hamilton is so revolutionary because it's just like breaking down and re-envisioning and saying, okay, this is what our country looks like. Like, so let's, you know, have this show about our founding fathers look like how our country looks like now. It's not so hard. Like there are talented people everywhere. Just, just fucking do it. Yeah. Just do it. I agree. And I'll say, like, to actors who happen to be listening, which I'm sure there's, like, many, um, the excuse that you often hear is, oh, we couldn't find an insert whatever type of actor here. So as an actor, particularly as an actor of color, you have to make yourself incredibly visible. Make yourself so easy to find. Have, like, an easy-to-find website that... If I type your name or if I'm looking for, like, oh, I'm looking for, like, Asian actors. Like, if I type Asian actors into Google, your website should pop up if you're an Asian actor. Like, and I know that that seems, like, silly, but seriously, the excuse you always hear is, like, we couldn't find anybody who fit this, that, and the other. So you have to make yourself so easy to find. Like, make it so no one could say, oh, we couldn't find any because you were so there on the internet, you know, you're easy to find via, like, your union. If you're in the union, you're, all your information is up to date with the union. You know, make yourself so easy to find. Make sure that if you have a representation, a manager, an agent, make sure that that person is always submitting you for anything that you could even be, like, somewhat right for. And not just like all the Asian roles, but all the open ethnicity roles or all the roles that if they don't specify, then that means it's open. Um, So, you know, really putting yourself out there, making sure that you are seen so no one can say, oh, I just couldn't find I just couldn't find anybody who fit that. 
that's really important as an actor to make yourself like so visible. Yeah, you have to do the work because other people are not going to do it for you, mm -hmm. sadly. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Destiny, thank you so it. much for joining us. Thank you, Dondre. Thank you. This has been great. I'm so happy that you were here. <laughs> yeah. And I feel inspired. Yeah. I know. I'm, like, motivated. I'm not even an actor. I'm just like, oh, my God, there's so much. Like, and it's just, it's it's so important, I think, from all perspectives. So it's like if you are a content creator, if you're a writer, if you're a director, like, mm -hmm. these are things that you need to be thinking about as well, yeah. not just actors. Make it easy to find you. It's like if I, if you, if I pass on one thing, make it easy to find you. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you. was great. Um, can you kindly tell listeners where they can find your work? Yes, I am easy to find. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is destiny underscore casting. Um, you can also follow my blog, which is destinycasting.wordpress.com. Or if you Google my name, Destiny Lily. All these things also come up, which is great. Um, <laughs> my website is destinycasting.com. Um, yeah, I'm like everywhere. So I'm Yay. easy to find. And you should also listen to the podcast that she oh, hosts. yes. Also, thank you. Also, uh, I host a podcast um, for uh, NYWIF, New York Women in Film and Television. It's called Shot Colors, and we could put a link to it in the show notes. Hopefully. Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> And now it's time for our Broad of the Week segment, which is personally one of my favorite segments, if not the favorite, because we get to talk about awesome women who are doing fantastic, important things in their field and being badass bitches. So Dondre and I, funny enough, have the same Broad of the Week for this week, <laughs> for this episode, and it makes total sense because she is fierce, she is amazing, she has just really left me in awe this week because she has spoken out about bullshit in the Hollywood system and entertainment industry. And so, Dondre, who is this broad? Constance Wu. Constance Wu is my boo this week. <laughs> Seriously, like, thank you, thank you, thank you for calling out Matt Damon for being with that whole white savior bullshit. I am so sick of this whole dangerous minds like meets freedom riders meets great wall meets the forest meets let's bring in mm -hmm. some white person to save this community of like dying and floundering people of color because clearly we cannot read or sit in seats mm -hmm. or not throw ourselves against the wall without your direction. Absolutely. And just some background info. Um, Constance Wu plays Jessica Wang on Fresh Off the Boat. She is fucking amazing and hilarious and, and charming as hell. She is amazing. Y'all should follow her on Twitter and on Instagram too because she's just superb. Um, and she is a Taiwanese actor. She is so hilarious, just so funny, so talented, so skilled. And really what I loved about 
her statement, which she posted on Twitter, she posted on her Instagram, y'all really need to go in and read the entire thing, was that it just really defied this whole, you know, stereotype and perception of Asian women being like quiet and meek and obedient and like never saying anything. And her just going like balls out and just like calling Matt Damon out, you know, this like fairly new actor in Hollywood in this entire system and calling out somebody who has had issues regarding diversity in the past. Hello, Project Greenlight. And just really saying the truth and speaking it how it is because it needed to be fucking said. And maybe you should have listened to Effie Brown when she was trying to school your ass and you wouldn't be out here looking like a motherfucking idiot now. Yes. And so I wanted to read some of the things um, that she wrote because they are just absolutely amazing and need to be put on a t-shirt. So in her note, she wrote... We don't need salvation. We like our color and our culture and our own strengths and our own stories. And if we don't, we should. Then she says, we have to stop perpetuating the racist myth that only a white man can save the world, which is true. Because in this movie, directed by a very famous Chinese director named Zhang Yimou, I hope that I am pronouncing Beautiful direction, by the way. Like, an amazing, amazing director. Super, super skilled. Nothing against you. But what the fuck? Yeah, because that speaks to a whole other issue, right? So it's like if you are a director of color, what sacrifices and compromises do you have to make in order to get your work out there, right? It's like what, like what's the deal? What's the catch, right, for you to get a movie made? That's a whole other thing. But he's a famous Chinese actor, and, like, this movie takes place in China. Like, it is about the Great Wall and, like, fighting against dragons. And, like, where the fuck did White, uh, white Damon? Oh, my God. <laughs> Damon, where you come from? Where you come? No, you know what? I'm, we gonna stay with that. We gonna stay with White Damon because I'm over it. I'm over it. We do not need White Damons to come and fight our battles. Um, no one associates the Great Wall of China with White Damon. I mean, I don't. It's unreal. It's so weird. It's so random. And in in terms of the story, like, how does that even happen? Like, like, you, now, if you were talking about Bean Town in some <laughs> pub, then all right, cool, Goodwill Hunting, perfect. Yes, that he was perfect. That movie, I in love that movie so much for that role. You're exactly who I expect when I'm thinking of Boston mm-hmm. or when I'm thinking of some shit like that. Even The Martian, whatever, go to space. Space is for everyone. The Great Wall of China, like, nobody needs your ass to defend that shit. Exactly. And that is why, Constance Wu, you are our broad of the week. Keep fighting. Keep talking shit. Keep calling people out. And keep being your charming, talented self. We love you. We love you. Boom. Oh, she's so fucking cute. She's so great. So... Um, along with this restructuring, we have decided to root each episode at the end of the episode. So we have um, switched things up to where we're going to end each episode with the root. And on that note, Elizabeth, where did you find a root this week? I found my root in my cousin Melanie, who's here visiting from Miami. Mm-hmm. I love this girl so much. She's 15 going on 16. She is a force of positivity and love and confidence, and I see so much of myself, you know, oh my God, I'm going to cry. I love her. <laughs> um, you know, she she's someone who gets me in my family. It's important. Yeah, and I just, I always get emotional when I talk about her because I love her. Um, you know, when I was her age, 
I felt like nobody really understood me. And I was just like, you know, I had my friends. We were like super nerdy. We would go to the library and like, you know, every Saturday we would be at the library, like reading Harry Potter, doing this, doing that. And um, my family like didn't really get that. And I feel like I get Melanie and she gets me. And, you know, like I said in the last episode, um, she's really like the only person who's, who's on my level, like, you know, like the only person not pregnant, mm-hmm. which is crazy that it's like the most I have in common with somebody in my family is somebody who's 15. Um, but she is, you know, this Justin Bieber loving, crazy concert going, um, funny, genuine person. And like, she's such a budding feminist and like recommended, um, this amazing poetry book that everybody should read called Milk and Honey. Um, and just like, I've positioned myself as somebody who she can really trust and like who she can talk to, which like I didn't have when I was growing up. I didn't have somebody who could, you know, guide me when I was applying to college or say, hey, you know, you can go to school and get straight A's and you can drink and you can have sex and, you know, you can still be a good person. It's not like black and white or good or evil. And I feel like she just really has grounded me um, because she reminds me that it's okay to be myself and that, you know, I can go to a Fifth Harmony concert and dance and sing my heart out and like have that be okay. And I can be in this relationship and, you know, not be married and not be pregnant and have that be okay. And it's weird that that's coming from like a 15 year old, but I just feel like she is such an understanding and, um, accepting person that when I'm with her, I just feel like I have a great time and I'm so excited to be spending more time with her while she's here. Yeah. And so Melanie, I love you. I found my root with you. Thank you for grounding me. I can't wait to meet you, Melanie. Oh, you're going to love her. She's amazing. Um, so yes, that's where I found my roots, and now I'm like looking crazy and crying. Crazy. Um, but what about you, Dondre? Where did you find your root this week? I found my root this week in uh, my coworkers, mm. in um, two of them specifically. There was a little drama that went down at work, and in the past, I've always been in a situation where I would have so much anxiety surrounding, like, if I had made a mistake or if a mistake was made. And it's really nice to work with adults. You know what I mean? Like, it's very nice to be able to just talk through things, to work through things together, and to feel like I'm on solid ground with the people that I work with. So um, this week there was a situation where a coworker and I uh, had a venting session via Gchat, and that coworker did not sign out of the the Gmail, and so my boss opens the computer oh and the Gchat pops up. So on my day off, I wake up to frantic text messages that are like, "Oh my gosh, she read our Gchat! Like she's really upset!" Blah 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 blah, and um. So my first instinct was, okay, let me first own this, secondly, apologize if I've hurt any feelings, and thirdly, you know, I don't even remember this chat, but see what I can do to balance this situation out. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, listen, you know, this is a venting session, these things happen, however, you know, if I've hurt your feelings, I'm so, so sorry, I would never want to do that. 
And she was really receptive and it and it turned out to be like a really positive conversation. And um, I'm just, it felt really good. I was like, oh, I know that I've made the right decision about my work environment because I am working with adults who are fierce. They get their shit done. They are all exceptional at their jobs and they're all exceptional human beings. I can honestly say that from the porters who clean the dishes and the floors to the bartenders who are the face of that place to the management staff who make shit happen behind the scenes. Everyone there is respectful of each other. Everyone there is a beautiful human being. And I am so incredibly proud to represent the company that I work for. I am so happy to hear that. I know that you know, for a while you were going from place to place, trying to figure out where you were going to work and then your job search and interviewing and disappointments and this and that. And I'm just so glad that you have found a place that, you know, roots you and provides you with a good group of people that you see on a regular basis and that has your back. Like That's really awesome. Yeah, they do. They have my back and I have their back and I love them through and through and it's really, it's really wonderful. Yay. Yay for coworkers. Yay. So that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, please. We could really use a boost and the morale and just, you know, knowing that you guys are listening and loving us. Uh, we could always, always use that. Um, I don't even know what word just that confidence boost knowing that you guys are listening and that you're enjoying the show and also um please remember to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook for updates on what we're doing and please keep your eyes open there are going to be some new exciting things coming your way in the next few weeks so we haven't forgotten about you you're always in our minds and also email us call us Tell us what you want to hear. Ask our advice. We're here for you. Yes. Send us voice memos, whatever you want. Send us an email, you know, send us a tweet, send us a Facebook message. We really want to hear from you guys, what you have to say. If you have any questions for us, any suggestions, we are all ears. This episode was produced by us, Elizabeth Estrada and Andrew Burnham. We run the show. That's right, we do. Original theme music by Tiara Williams, a.k.a. Dondry's Boo, who smacks me around every now and then. If you're listening to this, I'm giving you the evil eye. Also, I want to send a shout-out and a belated happy birthday to Clayton Moser. Um, You're the best. Yeah, he is. He's adorable. I love him. And a special, special thanks to Destiny Lily for joining us today. She is utterly amazing and we will try our best to have her back on the show to discuss all things entertainment because she is a gem and has great conversations with us so thank you so much for joining us destiny to find out what elizabeth is up to please check out her website www.thatswhatee.com and to find out what dondry is up to visit www.dondryburnham.com thanks you guys that's our show today and remember that when it comes to empowerment and visibility we're your brats get it this rosé is the shit dude yeah